This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. And as you know, in the last hour of Wednesdays, it is our Innovation Wednesday and it is our Culture Corner. So we start off with the innovation and the innovation is called Green Scooter. I think that's self explanatory, right? Um, It is a company founded by young mavericks who have gotten into this idea of cleaner, greener energy in the mobility sector. Coming up with scooters, we see scooters running all around and half the time they are just huffing and puffing that black smoke uh, being a pollutant to the air. And so there is a green solution uh, for these made and built in South Africa Fezile Lamini is the proprietor and a successful entrepreneur, the founder and CEO of Green Scooter. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, it's still morning, yes. Morning. <laughs> it's still morning. How are you doing? Fine, thank you. You know, yesterday I was somewhere and I remember some young uh, innovators like yourself saying they don't quite like the term social entrepreneur. Because just yeah. because you're coming up with a solution doesn't mean you don't have a business model. There's a business model and society, even the poor, are a market. Yeah, I think uh, people like using buzzwords. Yeah. Um, people like clustering people in certain things. And, yeah. you know, um, yeah, it's just not really understood what entrepreneurship is. Yeah. I think it just goes back to like back in the day when our parents would like tell us, go to school, get a law degree, become a teacher. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's what they know. And that's yeah. what stuck with society. So it's okay. unfortunate. But, what, but, but one thing we are not in disagreement about is what entrepreneurs do, which is problem solve and you are problem solving in the field of mobility yes in the context of sdgs cleaner planet cleaner country yeah i mean uh this has been a long journey it's been about seven years doing this um and i mean it's it's obviously much tougher uh when you're doing it in a in a in an environment that is like not supportive you know Mm. from a uh, not to sound despondent, but mm-hmm. it's, but it's just being re- realistic. Is I mean, you know, we started seven years ago. I had this idea of creating, you know, transport options that would um, well build even build onto that and try cater to this first mile, last mile transport sector. Yeah. And um, the only thing that made sense to me at the time was you know using alternative energies, and the best energy became electric, right? So electric vehicles were then. That which I embarked on, I we invested heavily in, and um, you know we've we've managed to come this far with with uh, just private capital. You know my capital that I had to invest in. You know my skin in the game, and getting some investors on board. Uh, and yeah, that's okay. it's it's been a crazy journey. Like trying to show show what potential we have as a South yeah. Africa, and also like how do we how do we see clean energy? How do we see mm-hmm. transportation as a service? Mm-hmm. How do we see business model uh, innovation? Mm-hmm. That's what we've been doing. Okay. So after all those hard yards, finding the capital, I guess coming up with a prototype and showing people what it would look like, um, what happened then? Um, what was the ascent? I mean, we, we pretty much went public uh, back in 2018 with the, with the news and we were then obviously trying all DFIs and private yeah. sector, you know, 400 rejections plus later. Say that uh, again, 400. Yeah, I think by by the time, I think it was 2018, May-ish, we were already probably clo- close to 50, but... Uh, and you kept going. I kept going. Perseverance, I mean, huh? the mark of an entrepreneur. 
Yeah, you know, to be honest, I, I never even knew I was going to become an entrepreneur. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I didn't, I didn't go to school to become an entrepreneur. I didn't go to school to become an engineer. I literally just saw something that I, that I knew was a problem and that will be a problem in the future. So I had that foresight. And that's what innovation is. It's having the ability to have foresight. And I just knew how to, how to solve this problem. And I mean, even though like, you know, um, a lot of people didn't believe in it. Uh, a lot of people didn't uh, understand it. You know, I think more so when, when it's so crazy that when the West goes and does these things that we're doing, then, oh, light bulb moment. It's, clear, it's, it's clearly a valid idea. Okay, yeah. so, so, so let's start off with the fundamental principle that you were solving for something. Okay, yeah. and we understand that it is, uh, it is an environmental uh, solution that you are offering. But what had you seen on South African roads that said you can't carry on like this? Not, not, not having uh, an efficient transport system, uh, not having affordable uh, alternatives when it comes to just starting out in the real world, um, not, not seeing... Uh, e-hailing platforms or delivery platforms using alternative energies which are so important to their development and actual their actual driver partners or driver networks seeing 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 positive margins mm-hmm. i mean if you get into any of the e-hailing platform vehicles today especially the the the, the entry level one it looks horrible <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not great but the thing is what people don't get is that that guy who's driving that vehicle he's offering his vehicle yes. right so he's offering a service so he's doing you a favor as well as a customer so there's only so much as well as the customer you can complain about because that guy he's offering his service so it's like you know there's there's, there's there's that thing that a lot of people don't really understand uh from a, from a from how the entire platform works cuz as if they're doing as if we're doing them a favor by by you know, calling the car exactly yeah. hailing the vehicle yeah. and then you know even when you look at the the last mile space which is the food and grocery delivery space i mean you know we're just seeing kamikazes everywhere <laughs> you know um they don't they don't really care <laughs> i love that terminology yeah a yeah. death trap. Those scooters exactly. are a death trap. Yeah. So, so you know, like this morning alone, when I was driving, um, I see a, a particular company's uh, driver who's got a huge box. He's on a motorcycle, right? He's got a huge box, that, box that's sticking outside, and I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. It's yes. weighing the scooter down. It's not only just weighing the scooter down. I mean, it just doesn't look professional. And I really care about how my product looks. I care about how people see my business, uh, because again, I. It, it probably tells you what type of person I am as well. And I'm very pedantic. I'm very, <laughs> I'm very, I'm very frugal as well, you know, as, a, as yeah. an individual. So I try to make sure that, yeah. you know, and you want that for other companies. You yeah. want them to realize their real returns and profits. But, um, you know, at the same time, it's, there's just this uh, thing, there's this ism within society that, you know, we just need to try and get rich quick. Yeah. And when we get rich quick, we forget about the reliability because we're chasing market share. So let's talk about reliability because obviously you are building a machine that has strong green credentials. I guess from what you're saying, that is aesthetic um, and fits with all sorts of 
what should be regulations on height and weight and the like. So just tell us about about the scooter. So we've got uh, two products out in the market right now. It's the ZBRS and the ZB Cargo. The RS is a passenger vehicle, one driver, two passengers, all have three-point safety belts. Okay. Uh, they've, they do come with sails on the side where you can obviously block out cold, rain, oh, okay. um, desert storm, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, and top speed, about 45 kilometers. Maybe you can push it to 60 kilometers per hour. Depends how the client wants it. It has, uh, uh, has a battery range of about 80 to 120 kilometers uh, from a single charge. What's nice about it is that you charge our vehicles from a normal two-phase, three-phase wall socket. Mm-hmm. So it's not complicated. You don't have to like get this big, massive charging station mm-hmm. and have all this infrastructure. No, you just plug it into your wall, two, 230V, and boom, you know, you, you can take go to Pretoria and back, 120Ks. Yeah, you can. Yeah, yeah? But, but, uh, but now you must remember, the thing is what's misunderstood as well with uh, electric vehicles is that it gets affected by different types of variables as opposed to a normal vehicle. Explain. Um, uh, Weight terrain ratio, right? So it's like, I remember when I was, when we started this pilot with this other company, I was driving from uh, Wadeville in Germiston and I was supposed to go to Bryanston. And I realized that coming up when I got, I think I was here by not past observatory Oh, I think it was just past observatory or something. Because uh, you have to use back roads, right? Because mm. the regulations don't allow for mm. highway usage because mm. of their own outdated reasons. So around Gilulis Farm, let's just say they're in that. No, no, no. It was literally... It's really yeah, cow- yeah, by back, the hospital. Yeah, I think it was uh, Albert, Albertina Sisulu thingy. I forgot which road. I, I remember the road. Yeah. Um, by by Fontaine. Right, so I was going past Dorfontein okay, and so came past here, literally going all the way to Branston. And I realized that coming up was downhill, right? Up until I reached the point over here. It was a downhill road. And, but even though it was, I was constantly going up, right? How, you, how it looks and how it, how, it, how it reacts was really, really interesting for me. Then when I went from there, now going to Branston, everything was just uphill. So we consumed more battery life. So, you know, there's very... very going to Branston, is it not flat? No, it. The thing is, it's you. There's twists and turns. There's going up and there's yeah, uh-huh, yeah. Uh-huh. So, but the, the 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 point with the weight to rain ratio is that you know you're affected by by the roads themselves, by traffic, by weather, uh, by by how much how much because uh, I think we ha- I had a cargo I had cargo of about three hundred or three hundred and fifty kilos, so I was delivering stuff to from a a DC to a retailer. So we've also like in the process, and that's using our cargo vehicle. So in the process of everything that we've done over the past years and become experts in is um, is defining what is first mile and defining what, what is last, last mile. mile. Yeah. Because first mile, you know, um, it's, it's, it's li- first mile is when you, when you leave your door, when you leave your business yeah. to go to yeah. your, your middle stop and then you connect and then yeah. last mile is finishing it off. So what we've done is um, we've successfully... Uh, Done, done, done a, done a pilot with, with with these guys, where we're doing deliveries from the DC okay. to like your spa or your, yeah. your retailer, and then even down in Cape Town, we're doing stuff uh, with with spa that side where they go from the retailer to so, the consumer. So, so a bit more volume there. Yeah, there's more volume, so that's where the box is the problem, yeah. right? So you know now you can carry more goods. You can you you know the your operational maintenance costs are sitting at like forty nine cents per kilometer. As opposed to, you know, two rand 20 or so. Okay. All right. We'll talk about the economics of it all. We're speaking to Fezile Lamini, the founder and the CEO of Green Green Scooter. Just uh, 
um, I think, a word of encouragement from Oscar. He says, shout out to my very resilient brother, Fezile Lamini. Please tell him to keep going. We are a bunch of dreamers. You're listening to Lula Dombele on Power 98.7. All right, it is our Innovation Wednesday. We're in conversation with Fezile Lamini, uh, an entrepreneur who's also the award-winning founder um, of Green Scooter. He is quite passionate about meeting those 17 uh, UN Sustainable Development Goals. And for his efforts, he has been considered uh, the Mail and Guardian 2022 Climate Change Award recipient in the category of clean renewable energy projects. Um, he's built that green scooter and he says because um, efficiency matters, um, uh, you know, uh, environmental consciousness matters, and he says aesthetics matter. And he also loves the agility of a green scooter. And he says it doesn't need too much technology. You don't need to be finding a big charging station. You can do it uh, at home as well. So just tell us about the scooter. Yes. What are we looking at? I mean, you've, you've described for, uh, to us the speed, the range, the battery life, the sales. Just what? how would I know it's your scooter on the highway? Um, it's it's the Tuk Tuk that went to private school. <laughs> <laughs> the Michael House one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, when you do look at it, it's very, uh, it's aer- it's aerodynamic. It's uh, aesthetically appealing. It's um, very lightweight, made of reinforced fiber plastics, uh, which is like fiber gloss. Mm. Um, and yeah, I mean, you will see it. I mean, when you see it, you will know, you know, it's, it's uh, sleek. It's, it's like, it's like, I always say it's like body on tap. It turns heads, you know. Ah. So uh, that's how we say when we describe that one. But we do have a new pro- product now that we've that we've just now announced. Okay, this this will probably be <coughs> the most advanced uh, electric three wheeler in the whole world. Um, and we say this because of uh, when we started working with companies within the FMCG space, who are trying to you know um, make more buck from their deliveries and, you know, minimize operational delays and all of that. We built this, we designed this entire thing around this particular, uh, 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 job that needed to be done, which is yeah. moving like a pellet, for instance. Okay. So this one is so simple where you can even slide a pellet okay. in there, can carry, uh, we'll, we hope that it will achieve about a carry payload of about six, 600, 650, right. uh, which means it's now competing with a half ton bucky. Um, it will okay. hopefully have a range of about 400 kilos right. uh, per day. So there are some technological okay. inter- integrations. We're looking into that. Okay. Uh, but, however, um, because of the difficulties that we've had locally with trying to establish manufacturing and all of that, we're now actually moving that abroad. You are the third entrepreneur in three weeks who has said exactly this, is that we've had to move our assembly lines abroad. We design here but we can only produce abroad. One, because the machinery is not available. Two, because we can't deal with the ESCOM issues. And three, the costs. What's yeah. your story? I mean, I think I agree with all of those 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 uh, those points, but also it's lack of government support. Our government just has a lot of great PR and has a lot of white paper, but there's no action, there's no execution. There's a total disconnect in understanding. Ins- what are the incentives you would like for your particular kind of product? Um, I mean, the thing is, the incentives are all there. They're all written, yeah. right? So to have like a fully fledged factory that has the volume volume capacity that they also want to see pay, as per their policy, 
there's a lot of red tapes and barriers behind that. So, I mean, look, for instance, I'm a historically disadvantaged youth. I'm black. Mm. I'm young. I'm 31. And one would think that, no, you should, and you're plus you're an industrialist. Wow. I mean, you should eventually qualify for all of these uh, uh, funds and grants that we have, but we have never. Um, and they're part of the 400 plus uh, rejections. And you realize that now you also have to try and find where do you, if I'm looking for 150 million, for example, they will probably say, oh no, we'll meet you at like 50 million max, but you need to find the balance yourself. And for us to even give you that that that, that particular grant, you still have to have that collateral because you need to use that collateral and then we, when, you, when your project is like done or whatever, then we'll say, oh, okay, let's look at what you did. Mm. Then, we'll allow, then we'll award you for it. So the de-risking is not really de-risking. Mm. It's just making it more difficult and more painful to try and uh, build any form of manufacturing right. in this country. And I don't blame anyone for actually leaving because yeah. that's what we are also doing in terms of our IP, moving it out, yeah. manufacturing, getting it done. So if it means that we're creating jobs abroad, I'm fine with that. Because my government is not supporting me. Mm. That's a conversation for another day. Yeah, I still is. want to celebrate um, what it is you are doing. So with the production lines outside of the country, that yeah. probably means you've been given access to sales channels elsewhere. You've been selling your scooters beyond the borders of South Africa. Not yet. So okay. we're obviously still, in terms of the sales and distribution channel, we are working it. But in terms of foreign government support, it's, it's, it's there. And um, I mean, it's it's. I think it's also just ironic how a lot of things happen. But that's mm. also another story for another mm. day. Um, so we'll just be putting more focus on manufacturing abroad. If it means that we sell, we will sell back to South Africans, and that's what we'll do locally. What we're just going to retain is our service and distribution, mm. and maintenance of our products and maintenance mm. of our clients, and still scale mm. with them. Uh, but also, this allows us as well in terms of to have a, a much quicker output of our products. Right. Right. So. Normally, right now, it takes us forever to get things done. But if we're now just getting them done abroad, we'll be getting all that support. It's much quicker to get it out there. Okay. So let's talk about your customer base and your distribution lines. Am I right to assume that this could be for anyone? You've, you've spoken to us about the model where you're, you're speaking to SMEs that are um, getting their stock into retailers. But could this work in a township setting, for instance? Somebody's just started a restaurant and a delivery business and can buy the scooter and whiz around the township to get you know get Chisanyama products to the locals yeah I mean is it affordable yeah it is very affordable I mean we were the first people to do it in Africa or South Africa I'll talk for South Africa for now where we were doing, you know, we ran a whole food and delivery business. Um, it started off in the north. I got the north was so was so uh, it became a, a red sea, and because of that being a red sea, decided you know let's go to Soweto. So Soweto, we ran the whole deliveries, and here's the one thing that we did that no one else could do, is that if we're sitting here in in in, in Houghton and we want mchodu, for example, you can order it from the restaurants we're dealing with, and it would get delivered here in the scooter. Now you can imagine the operational costs from our of, of our product versus another. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember back then, like trying to order mm-hmm. food online, we were paying like two fifty yeah. uh, for deliveries. So we did that. We went to Alex. We went, you know, as far up as Amanskal, Soshanguve, Bella Bella. Even yeah. we worked with other guys who were yeah. supplying SMEs, guys who started their own companies, who were self starters. But there's also like a huge gap uh, that still has to be filled from a financing perspective because right. people want to own them. So ownership is difficult if we don't have the right financing channels. Listen, uh, one day we should just do a panel of young entrepreneurs 
to share with us the challenges, but also how you overcome. It sounds to me like you've overcome. And uh, don't give up. Keep going. And we're looking forward to seeing more and more of these um, uh, private school private school ZBs on the road uh, and getting rid of, I laugh when you say the kamikazes, yes, because what a risk every day. Somebody shows up on that scooter to deliver anything to anyone. Yeah. Thank you so much. Best wishes to you. Fezile Lamini, founder and CEO of Green Scooter. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.